but it's a, it's a lesson on why we believe that baptism is immersion. Now, this is one of those subjects that you're probably not going to run into this, maybe as often, in your conversations with others as you would have 20 or 30 years ago. And there's maybe more than one reason for that, but I do know that... Um, you know, we're, we're kind of shifting into a time in society when, for lack of a better way of putting it, people just don't give a rip. They, they don't really care what you believe. That's why we began this series, why we believe it makes a difference what you believe. You can get just a few minutes into a discussion about what the Bible teaches and differences between what people believe, and many people that you're going to be talking to, many people that you discuss these matters with, they're going to say, well, I don't care. Okay. If you believe that baptism is, is immersion, then, then you believe what you believe, and I'll believe what I want to believe. We're, we, we're, just, we're all going to the same place anyway. But there's, there's reasons why we as Christians need to be familiar with what the Scriptures teach on all subjects. I quoted in your outline, in your newsletter, 1 Peter chapter 4, or I made reference to 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 11. It's such an important verse. If anyone speaks, let him speak, and the word speak there carries with it the idea of teaching. If anyone speaks, let him speak or teach, as it were, the oracles or the utterances of God. So if I'm talking about a Bible subject, I need to speak of that subject the way the Bible speaks of that subject. If I'm speaking about a word, baptism, I need to use that word in the way it is used, the way God uses it as has been revealed in the scriptures. That's an alien way of thinking for many. Why, why, why does that matter? Well, do you want to explain to God why it doesn't matter that you chose certain words as vehicles of certain thoughts? Do you want to stand before God on the day of judgment and say, well, you know, God, I, I understand that there's, a, uh, there's been differences of, of viewpoint and, and really words don't matter. Words are vehicles of thought and words do matter. If anyone speaks, let him speak as it were the oracles or the utterances of God. Another passage I like to go to, and this is not in your outline, is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, where Paul was describing the process of inspiration. And at that place, he says in verse 12 that we have received, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. And he's speaking of the apostles and those who were under the influence of the Holy Spirit as they revealed the truth. We have received that so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. But here's the key point, verse 13. Which things we also speak, what did they speak? They spoke words. Not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. So God chose words that were used in everyday language as vehicles of thought. 
Why would I change the meaning of that word? And, and by the way, when it comes to baptism, here's an interesting point. And this is, this is an exception to the general rule that when the translators translated from the original language, they used words to express the meaning of those original terms. But baptism is different. It wasn't translated, it was transliterated. So in other words, the, the word baptism comes from the original Greek, baptizo. It comes from the original Greek, baptisma. So there wasn't a change in the way the word sounds. There was some change, but it was very, very slight. So 2,000 years ago, if you were living among the people and you heard the word baptizo, what would come to mind? Well, I'm not going to take the time to do this, but I will tell you that on page 26 of the workbook, there is a section where the author quotes different Greek scholars, W.E. Vine, uh, Henry Thayer, Strong, and uh, Art and Gingrich. But these are men who didn't have an ax to grind when it came to the subject of baptism. They were just simply being true to the original language. And in every case, the word baptism carries with it the idea of immersion. It never means sprinkling. It never means pouring. It always means immersion. In Acts, the eighth chapter, here's where I, I like to say sometimes we, uh, you know, we don't want to rely too much on common sense, but sometimes you just kind of have to rely on common sense to understand what the Bible teaches. And in the, in the eighth chapter of the book of Acts, when we read about the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch, we know that Philip preached, he opened his mouth, he took the, the passage, Isaiah chapter 53, and from that scripture he preached Jesus. Then as they continued to travel, the eunuch saw some water and he said, look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? Now one necessary conclusion here is that preaching Jesus involved preaching about baptism. Now when the eunuch heard the word baptism, what came into his mind? He had traveled from Ethiopia to Jerusalem to worship. That's quite a distance. And now he's traveling from Jerusalem back to Ethiopia. Don't you think maybe he took some water with him? Don't you think maybe somewhere along the way he might have gotten thirsty? Now, he probably wasn't drinking Diet Mountain Dew. Probably wasn't drinking Coke Zero. What did most people drink who were on journeys? They'd drink water. Well, why did he wait until they saw a body of water to ask the question, what prevents me from being baptized? If when... Philip preached baptism, he heard the word baptism, and baptism could have been immersion or sprinkling. Well, hey, I got, a, I got a bottle of water right here. It could have meant sprinkling or pouring. Why can't you just pour this water on me? Why can't you just sprinkle me with this water? I'm ready. Why did he wait until he saw a body, a body of water? It's because he understood it required more water. 
in order to be immersed. And again, if you, if you look at the definitions in the original language in, in, in that workbook, you'll, you'll see it's, it's immersion, it's being overwhelmed, it's going under. And, and Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may answer. And he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He ordered the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water. Philip, as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. If he could have sprinkled him, if he could have poured water on him, all he had to do is go to there and get some water, bring it back up and sprinkle him. It was not have been necessary for them to go both down into the water. You read about John's baptism. It was always at the Jordan River. Really, most of the time, it was at the Jordan River. They would go out where there was much water. Well, it takes much water in order to be immersed. So baptism equals immersion. You look at the New Testament examples and you see that. But here's something that I think goes beyond the doctrinal side of that discussion. It's a practical point. And that is that baptism symbolizes a death and a burial with Jesus. Now this is something that was taught later. When Paul was writing to the church at Rome on the subject of justification by faith and not works of law, he was emphasizing how that we're saved by grace. And so there was an argument that may have came up in the minds of those to whom he was writing that, that, that if we're saved by grace, and, and grace is, is, is God's way of, of reaching out and, and saving us from our sin, then let's just sin more so that grace may abound. So that's the argument that Paul is uh, addressing in the sixth chapter of the book of Romans. But he uses word, a word picture here in describing baptism. It symbolizes a death and a burial. Now, I don't believe that everybody who was baptized on the day of Pentecost, I don't believe that all the apostles went through this teaching on, on how baptism symbolizes a death and a burial. I, I don't think they had to. I think they understood that baptism is an immersion for the forgiveness of your sins. But as you go back to your baptism, and this is what Paul was calling them to do, you need to think about what that symbolizes because that's a life-changing experience. It's not just an act. It's not just an action. It is something that is significant that impacts our lives. Think about baptism. Think about burial. I used the word buried several times this week. How are you doing? Right now, I'm just buried with work. Oh, you mean you're, you've got a little sprinkling of work in your life? No, I mean, I'm buried with work. I, I, I'm so buried with work, I, I, I can't even hardly breathe. You know what that means. You know what the word buried means. It means that you are immersed in your work. You are immersed in whatever it is that you're doing. Well, look at the symbolism here. Romans chapter 6, verse 2. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Well, when you think about a burial, do you think about sprinkling of dirt? Do you think of pouring dirt? Or do you think about going under? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. 
There are other places. For example, Colossians chapter 2 speaks of the same matter. In uh, uh, Galatians chapter 2, Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. That means that he had died. When you're baptized, you die. <laughs> what follows death? Burial. What follows burial is resurrection. You are raised to walk in newness of life. So if I'm going to be teaching somebody about baptism, I need to understand it means immersion. But for my life, I need to understand it means immersion. I am overwhelmed with Jesus. I am immersed in his life. If my life is not that, then I need to revisit my own view on the subject of baptism. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, <coughs> you're willing to confess that faith this morning, then we will baptize you. You will not be sprinkled. I will not pour water on you. I'm going to bury you in the waters of baptism so that you can be forgiven of your sins. If you're subject to the call, come. We can stand and say. <coughs> Just as